Hi and welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play. I will remove this in a moment, but the reason I'm wearing it is um, I'm coming you from self-isolation at home because unfortunately I have COVID at the moment. Um, I have mild symptoms, um, sore sinuses, bit of a headache and still have smell. Thank God, I can still smell my leather gloves. Um, but it's not horrible. I'm a bit tired today. Hence, I'm not wearing lenses today either. I'm wearing my glasses, so I do apologize for the glare. But it's about being comfortable when you're not feeling 100%. So, but all in all, this is really mild symptoms, and I'm hoping it will stay like this. Uh, I started having symptoms on the Thursday, so it's still kind of early days, but I got it confirmed today that I have contracted COVID-19. But I'm fully vaccinated, so I'm not particularly nervous. Of course, it's not fun to be one well, it's not fun to have it, but I'm fully vaccinated, so I feel fairly secure that I'll be fine. So, but that out of the way, I'll bring my guest in. Uh, today, we're going to the US. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Well, besides being sick, I'm uh, okay. It looks like we got the reverse colors going on. Oh yeah, what color is that? That's burgundy, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Well, great minds think alike. That <laughs> must be it. That must be it. Um, should we just jump right into it and do the first four standard questions and then we'll see where the conversation goes? Awesome. Okay, fantastic. Uh, let me just, I should really remember these questions by now, but fucking horrible brain. Uh, what do you prefer I call you? Names, pronouns, and title. Um, I, I really don't have, I don't really go by pronouns. Um, and I, as far as names, I guess you could always, I, I mean, I, I kind of wear multiple hats, so. Um, I guess the mediocre, I guess, just by my first name, David. Fantastic. I mean, I am a switch, so it's like I am a pup, I'm a boy, and a sir. Many, many hats. The main way what? You have many hats to wear. I, I do. Boy hat, sir cover, and puff hat. <laughs> he, he has them ready. He has them ready. Fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, as I said, I am a switch. So, um, uh, I started in the leather scene, um, back in, God, honestly, back when I was 16. So I've been in it for 23 years going on. Um, for, um, fast forward, I kind of got in, I got into the pup scene right before it really uh, expanded, so I was actually formerly pup trained in 2006, um, and then I was in a relationship for a really long time that didn't really like pup play, so I kind of put that on the back end. Um, I am a former Mid-Atlantic um, Mid Leather Boy, and that was in 2014. Um, then I went on to compete for American Leather Boy in uh, American Leather uh, Brotherhood weekend in 2016 and became first runner up. And the year after that, I created the um, dominant pride flag. Um, 
and currently I am now out of the relationship that I was in for a decade and now I'm living by myself and exploring the pupness of me. The pupness of you. Yes. That almost sounds like a memoir, doesn't it? It is. It <laughs> is a memoir. Okay. The memoir um, of me. <laughs> um, third question. Completely sober, clear-headed or social drinker? I am a social drinker. Um, but as far as um, narcotics go, um, I... I I don't dabble in hard narcotics. Um, poppers, I know some people are on the fence when it comes to um, the poppers. Um, I actually prefer only using those once in a great while, and that's generally when I'm dancing. Um, but I don't use those during play. So it's only just because I like the euphoric high when I get when I'm dancing. Um, and when it comes to marijuana, it's... To me, that is more of a medicinal use, but I don't use it often. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. Each to their own kind of journey when it comes to their sobriety or soberness, absolutely. So it's nice to have different views on that. Um, and the last one, what is clear play and why is it important? What, what is clear play to you and why is it important? Clear play to me is when I'm, honestly, it's obviously it's about play. So clear play for me is if you're going to have a beverage, that's fine. At least keep it down to at least one beverage, one or two. Um, actually, I prefer most of the time if I'm playing, I, it's at least one beverage, just one, minimum one, no mm. excessive one. If yeah. you want uh, sobriety, that's fine as well. Uh, when it comes to clear play, it's honestly, I don't like, uh, as I said earlier, I, I don't like anybody on the substance when I'm playing. And yeah. I prefer to be clear headed as well. So play, play to me is 100% sober, unless if it's a drink, then it's negotiated. Okay. Okay. Near clear, clear boundaries. That's the main thing. Absolutely. 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 You mentioned that, um, I know in your description before the episode, you mentioned you haven't really done like drugs, drugs since 2007. What brought you to, what brought you to that point? What, what triggered like the change of wanting getting to get away from that scene? What led up to that? Lots of things. Honestly, I was court ordered. I, <laughs> I, I was, um, in the state of Indiana, I had my second DUI. And when in the state of Indiana, if you have multiple DUIs, you are therefore, therefore um, ordered by the judge to do rehab. And I ended up going through rehab. Um, because of my excessive use of heavy narcotics, um, when they when they first did my rehab intake, they were only suspecting it was going to be alcohol because that was the only charge I had on me. Yeah. But because I decided that I was just, I had enough of it, I let loose and I told everybody, I told my intake person exactly what was going on. So it went from a 28-day rehab to a six-month rehab. 
So I've been literally, I mean, some people will start the day from when they were in rehab, count that as a rehab date. And that's what I do. So the day I entered rehab is the day that I started being sober. And so that was back in 20, 2007. Fantastic, fantastic. It, it's, it's such a hard thing, especially my story is different. I stopped because, well, it was killing me. But of course, DOIs and so on is, is dangerous both for you and for people around you. So I'm really glad, kind of glad that happened because you might not have realized that before you had to actually be forced or court ordered to go to a rehab. Um, so how, how, was that, how was that experience for you? Kind of, I, what, were you, I don't know, what was it? Did you feel forced or did you feel like, okay, this is, this is okay, this is happening? I had mixed emotions, actually. Um, like the first, I will say the toughest was the first two weeks. Like mm. it was absolute hell. I did not want to be there. I hated it. I felt like there was nothing wrong with me and that um, people just didn't understand how I tolerated stuff but after a while um it was more like you know this is kind of like my wake-up call because literally um i had hit rock bottom when mm -hmm. i got court ordered i had hit rock bottom i lost my job because of that um i had to go to a job that was i the job i was make working at i was I was making, I think at the time, this was in 2007, so I was making about $15 an hour, which was way above um, pay grade. Mm. Um, so I lost a very well-paying job and had to go end up doing fast food because that was the only place that would take me, um, only because I left on good terms from previous work experience. Um, but yeah, I went from a great job to having a, a mediocre job um, and I was scrounging around for money doing anything I could to get money before like the um, the fast food place took me so yeah the first two weeks were hell and it was rock bottom and then after a while going through those classes and literally it's kind of like the movie that Sandra Bullock did called 28 Days. Do you know what? It it was the first movie that popped into my head. I'm just like, oh my God, you're living the sequel. The four, the six month version, That's the, the six month long version of 28 Days. It, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was basically like 28 Days. So it's like, once you start going into the class and then you start learning about it, it's like, sure, when you're in, when you're in school, you do learn about this, but as an adult, you kind of forget. Mm. And then you kind of have to re-educate yourself when you're going into rehab because then you're literally going, oh shit, this is not, this is, this is not good. No. And I mean, thankfully the narcotic I was using, it was harmful, but it wasn't nearly as harmful as some of the other narcotics that were out on the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the narcotic I was using was more of the same stuff that Whitney Houston was using. Um, so, and we all tragically know how she ended. Um, yeah, not so great. Not so yeah. great. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah that i mean the first two weeks were hell but after that it was like going talking to the counselor going through what i went through going to the classes working the system and knowing the system and being part of that system it really helped me enlightened me because it was like i have been around people past you know past rehab that have that still dabble in that and i'm just like y'all just don't know what you're doing to your body like you think you do and trying to reason with somebody who's still using is is about as useful is is about as useful as talking to a brick wall you're just not going to yeah. get through to them because they are in what i like to say meth head even though it's not that drug that of choice but meth head it's like i mean i know your story so you know how meth head can be. It's more like, I know what I'm doing. No, no, we're, we're very sensible people. Absolutely sensible. You can talk sense to us, no problem. Yeah. But yeah, it was just more like, I, sorry, I have to adjust my chair. It's sitting angled. Um, but no, I, I, it's just like, I don't want to talk with people who are currently experiencing it because or currently going through it because trying to reason with them is like trying trying to talk with a brick wall. So it's more like I would much rather stay away from people who are using because it just irritates me because they're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, you really don't. You really don't know what you're doing. I, I rem remember situations where I've talked to other fellow addicts, especially from the rooms, and I'd gotten to a point with my recovery or where I've, my brain has gotten to the point of like, oh, I can still do it. I'm fine. I, I can still dabble. And I, I, I remember having this conversation with this person and he's just like, no, you can't. I was like, no, 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 I, I fully can. I, I am full in control. I can do this. Three months later, I cannot do this. Um, so it's, it's, I fully get it. It's 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 really hard work. I also work with um, a charity where it's maintenance or abstinence based, and sometimes I have to leave my opinions at the door because I'm I'm there to guide them and make sure that they're safe and and um, give them advice at wherever they are in their journey. And they might be at that point where they're not quite ready to let it go. And that's fine. It's uh, at that point. It's about giving them tools so they don't hit, hurt themselves. Right. But it is hard work, especially when you're 100% sober, to have that conversation where you're kind of going in the back of your brain. You're going, "That's not going to work." But okay, I'm going to give you some tools to manage some of the maybe the the damage it might cause. But in the back of your mind, you're kind of going, "Well, it's not going to work." But mm -hmm. It, it's it's but they're they're engaging with me in that charity which is so important and that means they will get some tools along the way and maybe they will eventually get to the point where like you and me where we decide you know what a change needs to happen right but it, it, it can be really difficult to get to that point and absolutely in most cases you need to hit a rock bottom to, before that happens so you mentioned that you've I would say you've done the title circuit. Yet another Sandra Bullock movie comes to mind. <laughs> Miss Congeniality. What's your perfect date? <laughs> April 25th. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. 
what what brought you to trying that out as as i know what brought me to it it was literally the lever club i was in twisting my arm you need to perform you need to go up on stage you're young come on um what what brought you to to try these two titles well um i would i would like to say that maybe it was the sir that i was with but i can't really say that because i actually started working the leather title circuit when i still lived in atlanta georgia so that was oh god i think it was 2009 no it was 2010 it was 2010 was the first leather um contest i actually participated in um that was my title year okay yeah well the first bit of 2010 no wait no 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 that was the year after my title year sorry i'm mistaken brain not quite working this evening if <laughs> you excuse me of my brain it's it's a bit covidy tonight i was gonna say it's the covid brain yeah a little bit foggy today but yeah um keep going keep going um so my first leather circuit, uh, title circuit I went into was actually a feeder contest into IML. So it was um, the Mr. Atlanta Kingster contest. Um, it was actually the first contest completely bombed at it because the, the person that set up the, the, the contest um, didn't really give clear, precise things to work with. Right. So um, we didn't really know, like most of us that were in the contest, most of us did not know what was going to happen. Um, we didn't even know how the setup was. Um, but the person who ended up winning that title was also the producer's boyfriend. Hmm. I smell a rat. Yeah, me too. Um, the title went on, I think the title the um the circuit the that contest i think it only was a lot was active for like maybe three years mm. um because it was more it was in competition of um the black and blue contest which was the mr um the mr atlanta eagle contest um so yeah i i didn't completely bomb the the contest i actually came in um six no fifth out of six people so i was like yeah it wasn't complete bomb but yeah <laughs> you weren't last <laughs> i was not last that was that, was, that is the main thing really yeah in fact all the contests i uh came in went with actually did not end up going last so i've actually been in five contests um wow which is weird because the, the the first contest I entered in, I was fifth place. And the last contest I was in, I was in first runner up. Oh. So okay. it was like fifth, fourth, third, second, which is so first you got runner better up every time. Win. You got better every time. That's the main I thing. I did. <laughs> I did. So, but yeah, it was just more like, I guess what I really wanted to do was like, I wanted to be a beat, like not really like a beacon, but I also wanted, I had a platform and I wanted to do stuff that I wanted with that title. Like there's, I, I wanted to give back to the community. Mm. So that's why I kind of got into the leather contest was because if I got a title holder, like if, 
if I got a title, I could, I would have more open way with the community. Like, it's like, oh, he's a title holder. We, we, we can make, we can make room for him. And it's not like, I don't want to say that's how it is, but it kind of gives you some like, oh, well, I'm name dropping here. So, boom. <laughs> so, so the, the, uh, what was the title you had again? It was? Uh, Mid-Atlantic Leather Boy um, winner, 2014. And um, American Leather Boy first runner up, 2016, which is for American Brotherhood Weekend. In Chicago, yeah, I know the, I know, I know some of the title holders. I know Sir Allen, who's not unfortunately with us anymore, and I know Nitro as well. Absolutely, Sir Allen. Sir Allen and I have a have a very interesting past. It's not a bad one either. It's actually one that I've hold very dear to my heart. Well, uh, Sir Allen was in my class at IML. Um, mm -hmm. and he, I think, was it, I needed, I needed my boot polished, but I wasn't quite sure on how to do it. I was still very early days in my journey, really. But then again, I normally get other people to polish my boots anyway. Um, but I remember him inviting me up to his hotel room, ordering me on the floor on my knees and having Nitra in front of me, polishing my boots and telling me how to do it. It's very hot. It's very hot. Yes. Yeah. I, I, he was such a lovely man. Such a lovely man. Oh, he, he, it broke my heart when I learned of his passing. He was, he was such a beautiful man. Absolutely. Well, both inside and outside. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So with those two titles, what, what, I, I not kind of know what IML or International Mr. Lever, when people win that, they kind of have to give up their job. They have to travel every weekend. What, what expectations are there with those titles? Because I don't know much about them, to be honest. Well, Mid-Atlantic Leather... Quite, quite big titles, those two. As I'm well sorry? As They're quite big titles, big national titles, those two. Yeah. Well, Mid-Atlantic Leather was... Um, it was a regional title, so we encompassed eight states. It was actually the biggest... Um, my title was actually the biggest circumference of what it covered at the time. Um, because there were other there were other regions, but my region was actually the the most states. Um, so we had we that one entire um it didn't really partake much. We just had certain weekends that we had to go to. I mean, I still was able to keep my job. Um, ironically, I just got off work from the same job I had back in twenty fourteen. So, um, which was kind of weird because I just won my title and about five months after that I started this job uh -huh. so I was just more like <clears throat> fresh title fresh job who cares new chapter right um so um with that I just went to a bunch of I went to the parades um I did a lot of the pride parades um I did a lot of walking. God, I did more walking that those, year than... Well, those boots are made for walking. I broke in a pair of brand new combat boots that year, and let me tell you, my feet have never hated me more. 
I'm sure they were up in the air a couple of times. Back well, then. let me just say when I got done walking the um, the biggest parade, Pride Parade I'd ever walked in my life, which was New York City Pride. Is that around Central Park? I have no what, idea. What is the route? Because I've done I've done the the AIDS walk, which is around Central Park, like mm -hmm. around it. That was a long walk. It was quite quite something to do because I've never done anything like that, and and it was quite humbling. Um, but yeah, it it if it's the same route, absolutely long walk. Yeah, I believe it is. I honestly I can't remember. I don't know New York City very well. I just remember when we got off the subway and we were walking towards our destination. We're like looking at, like you could see the crowd like a few blocks away and you could see the crowd and there's floats going by. And we're like, oh shit, it started without us. We had no idea how long this parade was. None. Um, I don't know if you remember or if you know of the person C.B. Kirby. No, not um, if you showed me a picture, I might remember, but no, not off name. He, he was also. Um, an IML contestant. I can't remember what year. I believe he was Mr. Connecticut. I can't remember. But CB you are Kirby asking was... me to remember a lot of contestants in well, IML. I, I, was I like... can be name dropping people left and right, and you'll be like, I don't remember them. So um... I, I remember some people, but God, there's like fifty of you every year. It is let alone just like with a contest. Jesus, it's, you have a lot of titles in America, and you take the whole pageantry to a whole other level than we do here in Europe. Well, I'm sorry, but I left my rhinestone-covered um, garrison cap at my last apartment, okay? Okay, sorry, sorry. God. <laughs> my, my, um, um, my title year slogan or, like, um, you know, it's like, what is, what is, what's your hope for the year? And, and my slogan was, like, world peace and free fisting. <laughs> that was what I used the whole year. It's, I didn't get to fist anyone. I didn't, never even had sex within, within my sash. I had no sex with anybody during my sash year. And my no, slogan was don't. literally, eat, sleep, and monster drinks. Yeah. You, you, you don't really have sex as a title holder. Um, because people sometimes have pre, um, preconceptions on who you are as a person when you have a title. Um, so I was waving to a friend of mine. Uh, he sent some waves. So, um, um, but yeah, part of my um, Mid-Atlantic title holder, uh, we we encompassed eight states. I did a lot of walking, a lot of the, um, a lot of bar uh, bar nights, um, a lot of bar nights. Um, most of the bar nights that we were doing were actually raising funds for our travel to Dallas, where we had to compete for international um, leathers, uh, Dallas, which was for the I ILSB ICBB title, which is International Leather Sir, Leather Boy, International Community Boot Black Competition. Um, I, I know of that competition, yes. Uh, it's, I, I love the, <laughs> like the abbreviation of it. It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's Most a mouthful. What? Yeah, it's a mouthful. So, um, we like my, a nice mouthful. Um, my title was actually the longest title because um, my title was actually the last of its title. 
our producer ended up retiring um, the male portion, the male portion of the title and kept the leather woman title and took the um, and took the um, boot black title and changed it to um, Mid Atlantic Woman Boot Black. Oh. Interesting. The boot black title has always been a non-gender title, mm. but our producer, for some reason, decided that he wanted to change it to the boot black, <laughs> the female inter, uh, mid-Atlantic community female boot black, and I'm like, I mean, I'm supporting for the the women leather titles, but it's more like you took a title that wasn't broken. And you just added another name to make it inclusive. Yeah, making it inclusive but kind of excluding. It, it that's always the problem when you go from a non-gender title to all of a sudden a gender title. Right. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So that that was part of the um, reason. And my title year um, lasted for eighteen months. Eighteen months. Yes, a year and a half. Oh. So I could have, technically, I could have, um, I could have competed for IL, I, ILSB twice because I was still a current title holder. Oh, yeah, you can go for your titles again, can't you, if you want yep. to. Yeah, we can't really do that over here. When you've had your title, well, I don't know if it's, it's written in the rules, but I think it's slightly frowned upon to go for your own title. Of course, in the last year, most of our title holders have just kept their titles because, well, COVID. Um, so it's, everyone just got two years by default. But yeah, un unfortunately, mine didn't happen during COVID. It was just more like we we were trying to um, during our title year. It was one of our responsibilities to try to recruit new people to the title to get them to run. Yeah, and when some of our requirements of that contract weren't being fulfilled or, you know, we had these things coming up, our producer was like, oh, don't worry about it. And, but he wouldn't tell us why. In fact, uh, he didn't tell us um, we were the Leather Boy, Leather Sir and Community Bootblack title were being retired until about a, about two weeks before our step down. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of like a slap in the face, like, what so when we retired our titles i didn't get to keep my sash i had oh. to return i had to um turn it in to the um leather the carter johnson leather library so retiring my sash was a very emotional moment for me mm. i actually i i cried so hard because it's like if i was giving the t the sash to another title holder i probably would have cried and been so happy for them but the yeah. fact that i was hanging up a piece of leather history forever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. this that really that really hurt me um i've just seen a title or a question in the comment section where they ask if the most title holders get to keep their, their sashes it's very individual from title to title as you can see I got to keep mine, but I didn't get to keep my Mr. Denmark title sash because that go that gets passed on. 
I think there is a tradition of passing on the sash, but certain titles will create a sash every year, depending on who's hosting it. So for example, with Mr. Europe, which is my title, uh, the host country pays for the new sash to be made for the winner. So that's how it works, at least with Mr. Europe. No, that's the same here in the US. Some, some titles are, some sashes are handed over and some are kept with that title holder. Oh. I'm, very, I'm, I'm very happy I have my, kind of my big title. Would I would like to have had my Mr. Denmark sash? Absolutely, but there's also something feels a little bit special about it being handed on to the next one, like a piece of history in a way. And that's why it's, it's even if it was sad that you were kind of the last to have that sash, but it, it's nice to know it's being kept safe. Um, that's why, for example, in Chicago, the Lever Archives, um, we now uh, in the London Gay Men's Chorus are at, uh, um, at an institute where we keep all our historical documents, but it's also, funny enough, the same location as our Lever Archives. Oh, nice. Yeah. We are in the same same institute um, as the LGMC is in the same institute as the Lever Archives here in London. So um, definitely, it's important to keep our history safe if needs be. Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> nice. Because, and I will say um, to wrap up, I, um, I the Man Atlantic title holder, um, basically with both titles. Um, American Leather Boy Weekend, that title, you actually had the choice of either keeping that title or bringing that title because ABW was actually already a, a national title. You had the choice of taking it to either um, IML if you wanted to mm -hmm. or take it to um, ILSB. Those were options, but they weren't necessarily fulfillments that you had to do. Or you didn't have to do those. You could choose to. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the same with Mr. Europe. Uh, the prize money you get from Mr. Europe is actually a ticket to compete at IML. Uh, unfortunately, one of the years I, I judged, uh, our winner was 18. Uh, so he couldn't compete at IML because it's 21 for IML. We didn't think that through <laughs> at the time, but... Uh, he he couldn't compete, so but it's it's not a requirement for Mister Europe. You'd have to go, but it's definitely a part of the prize money. So it's definitely um, kind of a little bit of a push to go. Outside. So you mentioned uh, you also designed uh, the what did how do you pronounce Dom it's the Dom flag, the dominant pride flag, the dominant pride flag. How did that come to be? Um. It was funny. It was actually, I was kind of like eavesdropping on the conversation. I wasn't really like eavesdropping, but they were talking very loudly as I was in the process of cleaning dishes in the kitchen. Um, as you and do. someone had, I'm sorry. As you do. Well, at the time I was, a, I was a collared boy. So, I mean, I was just making sure that the house was tidy. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. As, 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 as you should. As you should. Yeah. So I was just, washing dishes and my sir my previous sir and a former friend of his were talking about how there were all these titles out you know there there's all these flags and um he he did say he goes 
why doesn't anybody just come up with a a, a dominant pride flag? Because you have one for the girls, the boys, the puppies, the slaves, the slaves and masters. And I was like, and I literally was thinking to myself going, there really is no dominant pride flag. Everybody, the doms usually generate towards the leather pride flag, mm. but the pride, the leather pride flag is strictly just a leather and denim. It is encompassed for the entire community. It's not yeah. their identifier. Yeah, yeah. So coming up with the leather, the dominant pride flag, it is, it's got the colors of the, um, it's based off the leather pride flag. But in, um, the heart, the the heart itself is actually center, and then in center of the heart is a meerkat. Um, and when I created it, I told like I wrote to people my because um, a lot of a lot of questions happened with it, and one question that kind of irritated me was um, was when a uh, a girl asked me, and she said well, don't you think that's a little sexist? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, this is a very male-based image. And I said, well, to be honest, the dominant pride flag is for anybody who identifies as a dom, mm -hmm. whether that's daddy, mistress, um, master, um, emperor, however they identify in that role, it is a non-gender flag. It's not, mm. it's not specific to any gender. It is a dominant pride flag. So yeah. however you identify as a dom role, I created that flag for you. Do and you think it, 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 I wonder what sparked that question. Could it be, well, I, I see women wearing mirror caps, but it's not as, as commonplace, I would say. Maybe that was what sparked the question. I think what sparked her question was because this was, um, and ironically, the Dom flag became a, a topic of conversation um, a year after um, it debuted because um, it was already another conversation about um, the pride flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was with people adding the, the black and brown stripe to the bottom of it and it sparked this whole conversation and someone was like well this is more easily accepted than this one and this one was only created last year and i'm like whoa 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 that is my flag what and the guy who made that comment he goes i'm not backlashing it at all but it's gone like literally this entire other conversation um and part of that conversation is where this girl came in and um she was like she goes I just don't understand why there's not more women-oriented flags. And I'm thinking to myself going, the only time somebody chimes in to say something is because it's already been done and they didn't do it first. Mm -hmm. And it's like my identity, and that's, I'm not trying to come down on people, but honestly, if, if you wanted the design to be done, why didn't you do it first? Or yeah. why don't you do your own design? Don't be hijacking somebody else's designs yeah it's 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 we're all very desperate to be represented but sometimes when the flags already exist there's not really any point of creating another flag for the same thing um, right or sometimes there is a flag that embodies that section you want to be represented but it's not 100 percent what you want it to represent 
Um, so, so of course that can be difficult. Um, but yeah, with the pride flag, that's almost a slightly hot topic still here in um, the UK, especially after the new amended one that includes non-binary as well. Um, with the inclusion flag, which has pro uh, trans flag, the brown and um, black stripe, and then now we have the yellow uh, yellow circles, I think, yellow and then a circle. I've seen that one and it's, I mean, I mean, no disrespect to anybody, but that is a mess and a half of a flag. <laughs> well, aesthetically, maybe not, but it, you can discuss if it's, if it's attractive or not, but it, it's, of course, I think when I start, like with the discussion with the pride flag a couple of years back, when that kind of started, I was very on the fence about it. I was just like, we have a pride flag. It's very inclusive. And, doo -doo -doo -doo. and I was a little bit maybe misguided or not educated on the subject enough. Now, a couple of years later, I've kind of gotten, it's like the pride, the original pride flag with either the eight or the six colors can still coexist with some of these amended versions because these flags are here to make feel, to make people feel seen. Um, so if there is 10 different versions of the pride flag, 10 different versions of the labor flag representing different sections or expressions, so be it, as long as you feel included, that's the thing. But okay, the more colors you add to a flag, the more messy it's gonna look. Right. But that's more on an aesthetic thing, not necessarily what it represents. Um, but definitely inclusion is important. It's, it's important to be seen. Um, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, 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 my personal preference is I prefer the, um, the six or the eight stripe flag. I get why the inclusion flag um, is important and why it's important to feel represented in the community. So, yeah. Same. Oh, by the way, this is not liquor. This is actually soda. <laughs> I was about to say there's rum in mine, but there's not. Oh. At this point, um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there in case anybody's like, "What's he drinking?" It's it's soda. It's piss. That's what it is. You just want to say. Well, I mean, some people call it piss flavored, but I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually a lemon lime soda that was made um, regionally from where I grew up, so I can only buy it in my home state. <laughs> oh, so you stock up every time you're home. Right, so when I when I went back home in August, I literally bought thirty four bottles of that stuff. We need to sit down and have a talk. I think you might have a problem. I, I'm I'm doing really good. Okay, I bought thirty four bottles of this stuff back in August, and I still have twenty bottles left. There's still twenty bottles on the wall left. No, there's still twenty four bottles. Sorry, that joke didn't work. But anyway, no, it did not. No, no, I was trying. I'm trying to be funny, but because I'm not feeling great, I'm just not, it's not working tonight. I'm trying to be funny, but it's not. You're still cute. I still want to pinch your teeth. I it's try, fun. I try. Um, so uh, you've been on the leather scene for quite some time. When did you start coming on the leather scene? Um, I've really actually started, like, like I said, I was in it since I was 16. Um, so two weeks ago, it must be like a couple of years back. Oh yeah, totally. yeah, 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 absolutely. Not like I'm two telling you, the pump facials they do wonders. It's not like two de decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it in decade form. That's just that's just that's terrifying. Um, so yeah, several years ago. Um, several years ago. <laughs> several years ago, yeah, I started when I was sixteen, um, and that was more kind of like recon online. I was like literally right when the internet became a thing. I was just more like I knew I was gay. I knew it. I knew I liked leather. So honestly, Everyone my parents, knew. my parents' internet history, like if they didn't know I was gay, they all they had to do was look at the history. Because after they went to bed, I was such a good old boy that you know behind the scenes I was like, oh look at what I'm doing, and printing out pictures of. And now I'm kind of find out I have those porns with those pictures from them. I'm like, oh, that was a hot movie. So, so yeah, that was like when I was 16, then I was 18. I really, because I was more considered of legal age, I actually started um, going out to the leather scene in um, Chicago. So I would, my first boyfriend was actually a porn star um, and he couldn't even get over how, like the fact of how skinny I was back then. I was real thin. I was six foot one a hundred and maybe that, that's being that's being 18 i was trust me you've seen pictures of me when i was 18 i was skinny yes, you were. I, was I mean a medium shirt on me was huge but i was 18 years old i was six foot one 140 pounds wet i was 140 pounds wet i had a 29 inch waist and a size medium was huge on me, but I would always dress in layers because obviously it was Chicago, it was cold. Um, but in the summer, you couldn't, you, you had to do what was minimum to keep yourself cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I, my first boyfriend I met at, um, I think it was called Leather Works. It was a, um, it was like one of the leather shops in Boys Town, Chicago. Is I'm that not sure the one next to? Is that the one next to Jackhammer? No, no. Mm. I like I like I said. I don't know if it's still there or not. It was. It's been years since I've been to Boys Town. Um, but it was. It was like. It was Leatherworks, and then there was Cu uh, Cupid's Treasures Chest or something. It was like right next to a. Love these um, names. Love them. Absolutely love them. It, it it was it was actually a pretty awesome store, um, but it was great. So I was eighteen. I went into the leather store just to see what I want, just to see what was out there, and I found this really cool restraint that was like it was a um, it was a collar, but it had the strap in the back, but you could wear it in the front or in the back, uh -huh. so it would hold your arms down. And I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And the guy that was working the counter, his name was Haywood. And, you know, obviously my first boyfriend should be your, your choice of like the type of guys I'm into because he was a bear. I mean, he was a muscle bear. And I was like, oh my God, this man is gorgeous. And when we, he, he asked me my age and I told him, I was like, look, I'm 18. He's like, well, that's fine. I'm 25. And I'm like, you're 25. Oh my God, you're fucking hot. Um, he takes me, like, we, we, um, 
we met, we exchanged numbers. Now, at the time, I was 18, and I was also going to college in Chicago, too. So it's not like it's not like I was going out of there out of my way. No, I was actually going to school in Chicago, so I was commuting every day. So it's like mm -hmm. not like I wasn't going to see him once in a great while. But um, we exchanged numbers. Um, I gave him my cell phone because at the time I had a Nokia track phone. It was the thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had my Nokia track phone, um, which was honestly, it was probably the safest way to do that because at the time when I was 18, this was also 2001, and I had literally started college 29 days after 9-11. Wow. Wow. That must have been a weird time to start college, in a way. Very weird time. Um, actually, I'm sorry, not 29, 19. I got my math wrong. 19 days after 9-11. Um, very weird time to start college. So a track phone was actually considered one of the safest ways of communication um, instead of like a hard wire because of all that shit that happened with, ICE, um, I don't even, what, Al-Qaeda, I think it was at the time. Al-Qaeda, yeah. Yeah. So I met my first boyfriend, <laughs> we met up, we had dinner and um, we, ha we had dinner and lunch. So then like, you know, when we got to have that one special date, he took me back to his place and he was like, it was Valentine's Day of all days. So it was like 2000, Valentine's Day, 2002. Um, he was working and he goes, hey, just meet me at work. Um, I'm getting off work. I should be at, off work by the time you come over. I said, awesome. He gets there and he's like, so um, what's in the store that you like? And I showed him the one thing that he helped try, me, try on. And um, yeah, he put it on me at the store and there was another guy there and he was like I kind of had my first three-way there in the store uh, yay you were a slut yay I was a slut I was no I never had these kind of stories and I, I I would love to have stories like this my my first I'm actually level... getting hard just thinking remembering that story it was fucking Wow, wow, okay. My first experience in the lever bar was being shown around by the club's president and vice president. Oh, the president and his boyfriend or husband, and they fucked me in the basement. It's a very good, very thorough oh, show. Mine wasn't around. even at the leather bar, it was at the leather store. Like, yeah, the I love that. Videos. Did, did you get a discount at least? The what? Did you get a discount at least? I, I most definitely got a discount because he ended up giving me that um, restraint. Oh, bless. And come to find out the guy that was in the store was actually the owner. Oh, oh. So it was, it was the owner, owner that was in the threesome with you? It was me, the owner, and my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Why not? Why not? Oh, and I, I, that was also my first time experiencing... Writing home with a butt plug in. Oh, I've done that. I've had masters before order me to have a butt plug in whilst I'm riding around on a bus. Not very nice, because that bus bumbles around quite a lot. Think oh. about riding that on a train. No, thank you. No, no. That's I'm what not. I did. It was an hour and 45 minute long train ride. So when I got home, I took the butt plug out, and I swear to God, I thought I broke my ass. 
<laughs> you probably did. I was clenching it so much that when I popped it out, I was just like, oh, I broke my ass. I was like, I wanted to, I wanted to cry out for my mom because I was still living at my parents. So I wanted to cry out for my mom, but I was just like, she can't know this. Like, nobody should know this. And I'm like, I broke my ass. I broke my ass. Yeah. How yeah. do I explain this? Like, how do I, how, what, I, you know what? I'm just not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to say a goddamn word. So this is literally my first time ever telling anybody I broke my ass on a butt plug with my first threesome. <laughs> Well, if you have to do it, do it properly, kind of thing. Oh, and mind you, at the time, we were completely sober. Completely, well, me and Haywood were, I can't, I, I can't account for the owner, but me and Haywood were definitely sober. So, you're also one of um, the few admin that admins um, Gear 365. How did yes. you get in, involved with that? Um, so, back when Gear 365 started, it was back in late 2017 um it really was more of a um his name was cal Ryder, mm -hmm. and um there's this other gentleman by the name of harry who is, lives in the netherlands um so harry actually started gear 365 a main page that was basically like a group just for anybody to show pride in wearing leather full time or, mm -hmm. you know, whenever you're out in public. Um, so I, my buddy Brian um, was a member of Gear 365 um, and we became, um, it became a, we wanted a men's only space. So there was Gear 365 men's discussion page and then Gear 365, which is for anybody into leather or gear, mm. the gear lifestyle. Mm. Um, so for a long time, in I joined in 2018, um, I would post from time to time. And then when the pandemic started, I, I took it upon myself to say, why are we not, since, since we did not have um, bar you know since we didn't have the meet regular meetups like we used to i actually held the very first year 365 physical meetup at mal the year of the pandemic the year the pandemic started mm. so we got together um a lot of us and we got um to mingle with a lot of people um and then the pandemic started and i want to say it was the the um i started doing zoom meetings in March of 2019, no, 2018, mm. 2020, there we go, get it right. In March of 2020 is because that's literally when everything started shutting down. So I started doing Zoom calls and it was about April or May when um, after convincing, <laughs> after convincing Harry that, you know, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart you know, I'm doing these Zoom calls, and this was a weekly thing. And Harry's like, yeah, you just went ahead and made me an admin to the group page. And then we, that's when we learned of the very tragic passing of our friend Cal, who was mm -hmm. more like a leather Buddha to me. Like, he was always the person who helped center me and helped really 
make me embrace being fully leathered and whenever mm -hmm. I wanted to be leathered. And he was really like somebody that I saw from afar. And he was kind of like when I first met you, like he was somebody that I knew of. Mm. And I was, I was like, I was very like star shocked when he like started talking to me. And I was just like, I, what? He knows me? He sees me? And that's how I felt when you, when we started talking, it's like, oh my God, you're engaging with me. You know me? What? Oh, so, shucks. Oh, God. I was I was very um, fangirl. I'll bless you, <laughs> but I, I get it with with Carl. Carl was very important to a lot of people. Um, I, I I thought I'd never had the, uh, the the fortunate the fortune of actually meeting him, but then recently I was going through some old pictures from Folsom, San Francisco, and I have a group picture with him, so I actually did meet him. Um, but many, many years ago, I, last time I was in San Francisco was in 2012. So um, this is before Gear 60. Uh, I was in San Francisco in 2012 too. Oh. Did oh, you go to Folsom? Yes. Did you go to Dory Alley? No. I went to Dory Alley. <clears throat> so no, I wasn't on that one. Oh, someone just said, Carl was a superhero. Absolutely a superhero. Absolutely a star. Um, I think he's definitely... Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I actually did meet Kel at Dory Alley. I just never got a picture with him. Mm, mm. Well, I didn't even know I had a picture with him, but okay, then I didn't know who he was um, at the time. Um, and this is before Gear 365, so it's, it's things happen, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I did meet him. I did have the pleasure of actually physically meeting him once. Yeah, I, I, well, that's awesome. But yeah, Kel, was, Kel met a lot, as you said, he met a lot to a lot of people. He his legacy lives on um, part like Cal and Harry. Well, Cal wasn't really more of, um, and he was an admin to gear 365 and he did post a lot on gear 365, which is what caused me to um, reach out to him. Cause I, I was always inspired by him. I loved, I loved how he looked in his langlets and you know, he just, he looked beautiful in his gear. And mm -hmm. that's, I guess in my head, I was more mentally going, I'm building him up to be like this, god of some sort because it's just well, like... that's how i feel when i meet some of my favorite leather men on instagram when you kind of meet them in real person you kind of like like you said starstruck a bit because it's like oh they're actually real yeah they're, they're tangible and i can touch you and, and that's, um, that's how i kind of built built you up because it's like you were that god to me and i was just like oh my god he sees me but so it's like when I became an admin to Gear 365, which I would say was back in May of 2020, it's because I have been doing these Zoom chats to to bring um, our leather community together, you know, just so we can at least, you know, do a group conversation so that way people can get geared up in their leather if they want to, and we can have a Zoom chats. And our Zoom chats generally last about three hours um sometimes they've gone longer um yeah. and our conversations range from anything from sex and leather to literally cooking and stuff that we collect and it's just like it's just so great to you know see other different facades of people out in gear doing their thing mm. and I've been doing these Zoom chats for now well over a year, and I get a, I get a kick doing it. I love doing it, 
it's helping me bring the leather community together. And it's not just people in the US, it's also we have people like Harry, who comes from the Netherlands. Um, T, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but it's like um, Tzchi, Gripper, T-Z-C-H-E-E. He's he's on Instagram. He's also on um, Facebook. Um, like he he comes from the uh, Tel Aviv, Tel 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 Aviv. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then um, I was going to say bless you, bless you. <laughs> uh, D eight photography. Um, Dari Dari. Um, he's in is Istanbul, and he's come to okay. our groups before. Um, we did have some people from Japan join in. It's 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 great with these kind of webcam chats. All of a sudden, the, the leather community all of a sudden becomes more tangible in different parts of the world. Yes. Uh, we've definitely seen it with uh, our... We do a leather social Zoom chat here in the UK, but we definitely also have Americans joining us in those. I we've keep also trying to join some of yours as well, but it's always conflicting in time. Um, yeah, because of time differences. It's always fun, isn't it? Um, it, it, we also, I've seen it in recovery meetings as well. All of a sudden we engage with all over the world, different types of recovery. And it's quite, it's even with how much COVID has been a shitstorm, and still is, trust me, I'm not feeling that a hundred percent right now. I'm very good at hiding it right now. Um, or no, we all know you're on your bubble toilet. It's fine. Just make sure you have plenty of toilet paper. Um, that's not one of the things you have with COVID. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, anyway, but no, it's 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 also brought people together, which yeah. is quite nice. I, I think it's quite nice, which is also important. Right. So we we're kind of coming to well, we have come to the end of our time. Um, if there's anyone anyone watching, there's something that's kind of spoken to them of some stuff you might have talked about. Where where can they get a hold of you? You're asking me or the audience? I'm asking you. Repeat that question again. That was breaking. Oh, up. Um, so if anyone has listened to this conversation and any of the stuff you've said has spoken to anyone, is there anywhere they can get a hold of you? I um. I am actually on, obviously here on Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, actually, I believe my Facebook is linked up into my bio, um, but I'm also on TikTok, um, obviously. <laughs> um, I don't have, tw I do have a Twitter, but it, I don't use it. It's mainly for me watching other people. Um, but maybe yeah, you you're, just, you're just a you're just a peeper, aren't you? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can mainly, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Instagram, uh, message me on Instagram. I always, I always reply underneath here. Um, if you guys know me on Facebook, always send me a messages on there. Um, you can also reach me through TikTok if you know me on TikTok. Um, He's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I, try. Um, <laughs> I, try. Um, I also have a Snapchat. Um, I'm trying to get better on Snapchat as too. Um, but yeah, those are mainly the areas where you can reach me. Fantastic, fantastic. 
Well, it seems like a, a natural end to the conversation. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's not like we talk to each other maybe like two times, three times a week anyway. Yeah, but this is this is a slightly different format. So, but it's been absolutely it's been an absolute joy to have you on. It's been a joy being on here. I've I've actually wanted for to be on one of your episodes since last year. So I'm very excited to be this season. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, I'll probably chat to you soon. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that was David over from the States. And I do apologize if I'm not completely convincementist tonight. Uh, as most of you know, I'm, I'm at the moment in the middle of having a bit of COVID, a bit of it, um, very mild symptoms. So um, do apologize if, if I didn't feel like as engaged as I normally am. Um, but it was really lovely to have David on speaking about uh, some of the topics that's really important to him. So I'll be back in two weeks, probably better than I am now and a little bit more recovered and with new antibodies against COVID-19. So keep your mask on, get vaccinated. If you do your booster, get that done as well. It's really, really important and stay safe out there and wear a mask in public. Bye.